through the Bible, the Apostle Paul will say exactly the same thing as it relates to our standing outside of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 2 and verse number 12, he says that at that time, speaking to the Gentiles, verse number 11, remember that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Listen to this, having no hope and without God in the world. When Paul says you were outside of Christ, that's language of location. When Paul talks about the fact that you were strangers, that's the idea of not having a place to belong. When Paul says you were without hope, that means there was no realistic expectation that it would ever change in the future. But in Christ Jesus, all of that changes. You see, that's what the lepers realized. Here comes Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. He is the master. And it is upon his mercy and it is upon his grace that we are dependent, without which we have no hope. We have to realize, just like the lepers did, that without Christ, without his grace and without his mercy and outside of him, there is no hope. And the reason is because not only do we experience a state of helplessness and a state of hopelessness, but also a state of separation. Notice the text specifies that the lepers did not come up to Jesus, but rather they stood afar off. Why? Because they're lepers. Because they're unclean. And because in all reality they have been severed from society. They have been severed from their friends. They have been severed from their family members. They have been severed from their jobs. They have been severed from their ability to gather with people and worship God. They have been severed. They have been separated from everything and everyone whom they hold near and dear to their hearts. That's exactly what sin does. The Bible tells us that sin separates us from God. It severs us from him. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says that sin separates us from what we could call our better self. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. The idea is that sin keeps us from being the person that God would have us to be. The Bible tells us that sin can separate us from family members. Genesis chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Sin can separate us from our brothers and sisters in Christ. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 6. Sin can separate us even from our friends. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 28. Leprosy was a terrible disease that wreaked absolute havoc and completely cut off everything and everyone that a person loved. Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what sin does as well. And we should view it as such. The thought of being diagnosed as a leper for the person living in Judea in the first century without question sent chills up the spine. It was nightmare fuel. Sin should be just as awful to us. As we think about what it can do, Perhaps even as we reflect upon our past, who we were before we obeyed the gospel, and we think about what it has done, it brings about a state of despair. You notice something interesting about these ten. Nine of them are Jews. One of them is a Samaritan. And what do we know about the Jews and the Samaritans? They don't like each other. 
The Jews viewed the Samaritans as basically being an inferior people. And under normal circumstances, they wanted absolutely nothing to do with them whatsoever. And now imagine, here we are, a Samaritan along with Jews, and they are all joined together. They are all united together in their despair and in their anguish and in their pain. And in what effectively would, without Christ, end up being their death sentence. Sin is a state of despair, and it unites everyone. That's one of the great messages of the Bible. That's one of the great messages of the cross. All men stand on level ground at the foot of the cross, as it's often been said. Or I like to think of it this way, the cross is the great equalizer. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 3 and verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means everybody, Jew, Gentile, male, female, black, white, rich, poor, none of that matters. Sin is sin, and it's just as sinful for me and you as it is for people all over the globe, and it has the same effects on you and me as it does to people all over the world. Sin unites everyone equally in a state of despair and in an equal need. Acts 10, verse 34 and 35. Peter said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that fears God and works righteousness will be accepted by him. We look at these ten men, and one thing that should come to our mind is the past, who we were, what sin can do to a person, the helpless nature of it, the hopeless nature of it, the separation and the despair that it brings. And as we look back upon that and we reflect upon it, it should help us to stand in even, in even greater gratitude for where we are now. We reflect on the past, but we also should be mindful of the present. We're reminded of what Christ has done for us. Christ granted to these ten men grace and mercy. That's what they cried out for, wasn't it? Lord, have mercy upon us. And he answered their cry. He could have allowed them to continue in their suffering, but he did not. Instead, he answered and he healed them. Ephesians chapter, four, uh, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, the Apostle Paul speaks about the grace and about the mercy of God in the fact that God has provided a means by which life can be restored. Remember Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3 from earlier. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but Romans 6 and verse 23 says that the gift of Christ or the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And in the book of Titus, in the book of Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse number 3, the apostle Paul said, For we ourselves were also once foolish and disobedient and deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul in three short verses in Titus chapter 3 is summarizing everything we've said up to this point. He looks back at the past, here's who we were, and here's what we were. He then looks at what God has done through Christ Jesus in his atoning sacrifice on the cross, and then he sees the result of it all, which is that we have been justified. 
we are reminded that Christ has given us hope. Before Christ came along, all of these men, their hope for the future was gone. There was no planning for tomorrow because tomorrow only would bring suffering and pain and hopelessness and separation until finally tomorrow stopped coming. Christ gave them hope. He gives us hope as well. It's a hope that is, uh, it is a hope that is based upon the reality of his resurrection. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. It is a hope that produces joy unspeakable and full of glory. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 7 to 9. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Paul said. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Paul said, Christ is our hope. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. And why is that? Hope is defined as realistic expectation. These men may have had no realistic expectation that things would have gotten any better before Christ came along. But we have every reason to expect realistically so, yea, to know that in Christ Jesus there is eternal life. And regardless of what happens in this world and in this life, there's something much better to come. Christ gives reconciliation. Sin brings separation just like leprosy did, but Jesus brought reconciliation After Jesus healed these ten men, finally they had the opportunity to be reunited with their loved ones, to go back home and to be apart and experience those people and those things whom they dearly loved. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21, that, that God has reconciled us back to himself in Jesus Christ. We are also reminded as we look at these men, not only of the grace and the mercy and the hope and the reconciliation that has been granted to us in our Lord and through our Lord, but we're also reminded that he's simply given us an opportunity to obey him. Jesus, you'll note, didn't ignore them. He could have walked on by. And you'll notice what he says, by the way, to the Samaritan at the end of the context where he talks to him about the fact that his faith had made him whole. Of course, as we study faith in God's word, we realize that when Jesus talks about faith, when the Bible talks about faith, it's not talking about just mental ascent. It's not talking about faith and faith all by itself. It's talking rather about that obedient trust, that obedient faith, a faith that accepts what God says and trusts what God says and obeys what God says. Jesus could have ignored these men, but instead he listened to them and he gave them an opportunity to express their faith and to do what it was that he asked them to do. He gives us the same opportunity. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse number 2. Today, Paul says, is the day of salvation. As we think about these ten, we think about the past, we think about the present, but also, and finally, we ought to simply just think about the need to be overwhelmed with a constant sense of gratitude. Heard the story not long ago, and this is a true story, by the way, not one of those preacher stories. Heard the story a little while ago about a businessman in another town who, it was a small town, and uh, he had the means, and so what he decided to do is that every year for those uh, who graduated high school, he gave them some money as a gift, a goodwill gesture to send them on their way into college or whatever they chose to do in life. He made a decision 
that the first person who expressed gratitude to him in some way, to that person, he would double what it was that he gave him. He waited five years for the first person to come and to express gratitude for the gift that he had given. That, I think, is probably an appropriate description of the society and the culture in which we live as a whole. We are so used to the things that we've been given. We're so used to the things that we have that sometimes we simply just take them for granted and we don't stop and take the time simply to say thank you. Psalm 30, verse 10 through 12, the psalmist said, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth, and you have clothed me with gladness. Do you realize what the psalmist is saying in verse 10 and 11? You could copy and paste this into Luke chapter 17, right next to these lepers. All of them, verse 10 and 11, because their shame and their pain and their sorrow has now been turned into joy and gladness. But verse 12 can only apply to the one. To that end, he says, that my glory, uh, excuse me, to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. God's will is that we be thankful, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. In everything, the apostle Paul says, be anxious in nothing but in everything, Philippians 4.16, uh, let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. Colossians 3 and verse number 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Over and over again, the Bible will enjoin upon God's people, be thankful. Bless the Lord, O my soul, with all that is in me, bless his holy name, Psalm 103 verse 1 and 2. And he says, bless the Lord and do not forget all of his benefits. How often do we stop and reflect upon the benefits that the Lord has provided? Indeed, we have much to be thankful for. We all have food and clothing and shelter, the physical necessities of life God has provided for us in great abundance. But also those spiritual things that are even more important we have the reality of forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the manifestation of the grace of God in Christ Jesus. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12. The mercy of God also. We have the blessing of fellowship with fellow Christians and being able to exhort one another and encourage and build one another up and help one another in difficult times. We have access to God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that we have a great and a compassionate high priest through whom we may approach with boldness the throne of grace at any time and in any place and under any circumstance. That is a blessing far beyond words and far beyond anything that we could measure in human terms. So how often do we reflect upon the good things that God has given and how often do we express our gratitude? Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15 tells us that we ought to express our gratitude with the fruit of our lips. 
But the best way to express our gratitude to God is simply by giving our lives to his service. By waking up every morning realizing how blessed and how fortunate we are to have been allowed to open our eyes and to see another day. By realizing as we begin our day that God has blessed us in abundance with both physical and spiritual blessings. And so therefore, because of all that he has given us, I, I am uh, feeling this, this overwhelming push or urge to serve him and to give him everything that we have. Everything that I have to give him. Remember that the Apostle Paul described us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, as living sacrifices. Do not be conformed to the world, he says, but be transformed. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, because this is your reasonable or your spiritual service. How do you express your gratitude? I hope that for each one of us, the answer is that the way that I express my gratitude is verbally. I sing praise to my God. Yes, Hebrews 13, 15. And I thank him in prayer. Yes, absolutely. Philippians 4 and verse 6. But most of all, what I have chosen to do is I have chosen to give him literally everything. To lay my life down on the altar of sacrifice to his service and to his glory because the life and the abundance of blessings that he has given us in this life is far beyond anything that we can count or comprehend. And he deserves it all. How sad that the nine didn't recognize that. But how wonderful that the one did. And as we think about the contrast between them, Looking at all of them as a group, we're reminded of the past. We're reminded of sin and the pain and misery that it produces. But we're also reminded of the grace and the mercy of Christ and what God has done for us and given us through Christ. That's what we see when we look at them together. But when we split them, the nine fall in a category, but the one falls in a category all of his own because he is the only one who recognized just how blessed and how fortunate he was. And may may it be that each one of us could be characterized by the one and not the nine. But you know, the answer, the reality is rather that the only ones who know which of those two groups you and I may fall in are you and the Lord. So I want to encourage you this morning to contemplate that. Am I the nine or am I the one? Do I express gratitude in the way that God would have me to or do I go merrily on my way, not stopping to take account of what great things the Lord has done for me? If that's you, then repent, change. God's will is that we be people of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you know what the Lord has done for you. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. He died so that we might live. So express your gratitude by being baptized, by becoming a Christian and living a life for him. The Bible says that if we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, John 8 and verse 24, That if we're willing to repent of our sins, Acts 3 and verse 19, confess our faith, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, and be baptized into Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, Acts 2 and 38. 
that God will add us to the church, Acts 2 and verse 47, that we'll be Christians, we'll be children of God. What a blessing. If you're a Christian this morning, but you've not been living a life that expresses gratitude to the Lord, change it. Change it. And we'd love to help you, to pray for you, to pray with you, to encourage you in whatever way we can. Come forward and let your need be known while we stand and sing the invitation song together.